Colossians this morning. And, and before we go, I just, you know, we've been having just a great time, lots of things. I did want to make a, a quick announcement. Uh, we have a church work day coming up. And um, just want to encourage everyone to come out. It's going to be not next Saturday, but the Saturday after. And the date, I believe, is the 16th. Is that correct, Josh? Do you have any info on that you want to share at all? Good? You're good. That's right. Come ready to work. Bring your tools. Bring your cleaning stuff. We're going to clean. We're going to paint. We're going to do whatever we can. You know, that's great. And, and we really just want to be, we want to get the building not just ready for winter, but we're, we're desiring to, you know, just get some things not just repaired, but we want to do some new projects, some fun things. We want to put up uh, some, some nice displays. We want to get the signs back out there fixed, get the lights on them. Just make the place um, looking good. Thank you for bringing my notes for my sermon. <laughs> I didn't even see them come up and drop them off, but I'm glad I have them now. And so, yeah, come out on the 16th. What time is it going to start? 5.38. We just lost 92% of the... (laughs) You know, 9 to 2, if you want to put in extra hours, come out. If you can't come at 9... You know, but you can come at 12 or 1 and they're still willing to work and get a project done. We're not going to make you stop at 2, you know, just in case you want to work late. Um, anyway, so <laughs> come out. Yeah, we got some plumbing stuff, some roofing stuff, uh, painting for sure. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things if you've got, and then and that's just the, the maintenance tasks. There's a lot of cleaning and things too that we want to do. So praise the Lord. My son sat down in the front, so I'm going to ask him to pray for us this morning. Hey, now. <laughs> He's a teenager. Did you hear him call me Pastor Rob? That's great. Revelation fell out. At least I know where it goes.
like to read Colossians chapter 3, but I want to leave it, read it to you out of the NLV, the New Living Version. And, uh, and I, the only copy of that I have is on my phone, so I apologize. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life. That is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all the wicked deeds. In its place you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ, who created this new nature within you. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, <clears throat> uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and that he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace. And always be thankful. And the last verse, verse 16 says, Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Father, we thank you for this word. Hallelujah. In the NIV, and I believe it's translated better in the NIV, it says, since you have been raised with Christ. New King James says, if you've been raised with Christ. You know, there's a, there's a difference in a since and an if. And the big difference is you, if you're sitting in here, if you've been raised with Christ is the question. And those of you who say, well, I have been, then the word is since. Well, since you've been raised with Christ, right? Since you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Do you have resurrection life this morning? Yes. You know, those who've called upon him have resurrection life. We don't always walk as we, don't, as we should. It doesn't always look like we do. But the question is, is do you have resurrection life? We need to look for the vital signs this morning to find out if that's the case. Is our life new? Are we made alive? Do we have that resurrection Christ, resurrection life in Christ this morning? In, in Galatians, uh, Paul states it this way. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself.
Resurrection life is lived by faith in Christ. Resurrection life comes by receiving Him, by asking Him to be our Lord and Savior. The moment we do that, we have a new life. I want to read some scripture this morning. John 18.36 I was chastised for going too fast with scriptures a few weeks ago. Try not to do that this week. John 18.36 Jesus is making a point here. And He says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus is part of another kingdom, not this earthly kingdom that we know. And we have been made part of His kingdom. We're made alive with Him in Christ. First Peter says that we are born of an imperishable seed, something that will live forever, will never die. In 1 Corinthians, it says that we were bought at a price. When we became Christians, when we dedicated our life to the Lord, He bought us. He paid a price for us. And it goes on in that scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. But we were bought at a price. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus. And Jesus' kingdom is of another world. His kingdom is not of this place. 1 Peter 2.11 says that we are aliens and strangers. And some of you are stranger than others. (laughs) And you know what? That's a good thing. You know, I've been saved now for quite a while and, and there was a big move and I think that we moved too far to blend in with the world so we could infiltrate the world and win them to Christ and we had all of these we we would really justify a lot of things and we went so far to look like the world that often we can't tell the difference between a Christian and the world we're called to be a little bit different if you don't look any different than than those that you know that are unsaved you might need to do a spiritual vitality check and to see how you're really doing you know we don't have to be kooky But you should be different. You're an alien. You know, we started watching V. Now, if you're like old like me, then you remember that old TV, the old TV show, V, not the new one. I don't know if they're, you know, and they looked a lot like humans. But, you know, underneath them, they're way different, right? We're different. We may look the same in some areas, but there better be some huge differences in our life. The Bible says that we've become alive. So we were alive, but Christ made us alive again because we were alive physically, but dead spiritually. Depending on when you put your faith in Christ, you lived a long time as a dead person. Some of you maybe lived 50 years as a dead person before you came to faith in Christ. But the Bible says that we've been made alive. Ephesians 2.5. Go there with me. We have resurrection life if we've trusted in Him. And Ephesians 2.5 says God, that's in verse 4, 
even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were dead. We were lost. But Christ made us alive. And we should be having a spiritual resurrection life today. In Colossians 2.13, just a little bit over to the right. Remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God's electric power company. Colossians 2.13. Some of you just got it. And you being dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Who this morning is glad that they're alive in Christ? Amen. Amen. Last night as I was laying and, and wanting to sleep and yet just God stirring these things up, I realized that I was feeling dead. There was a part of me that was just kind of dead and he was wanting that part to come to life. He wants us to live fully in him. You know, I feel, I, three hours of sleep and I'm feeling really, really good because Christ is on the throne. He's given me vision, things He wants to do, things He wants to stir up in my heart. He doesn't want us to live so menially and, and just low-sided, but He wants us to walk in victory and He's stirring those things up. And, and even simple things that we can change in our life are going to help us to accomplish that. For me, I realize that I need to you know, be, just have the worship and praise on more often, even as I go to sleep and just begin to enter in at different times. But I'm glad I'm alive. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says we're alive, but we're also a new creation. So we didn't just get brought back from the dead. When we got brought back from the dead, we became a new creation. That's something different. That happens often, but not always, with people who've had a near-death experience. Something changes. They live their life differently after the near-death experience. Or some people maybe have, have actually died and maybe paddled back, and when they come, they, they change the way they live. There's, they're a new person. But I bet you can think of people who've had that same near-death experience, recovered from it, and didn't allow anything to change. And you want to shake them and slap them around and say, what are you doing? Don't you understand? Christ, because of Christ, we died and we've been reborn. But some of us, some of us as Christians don't look much different after we've been born again. We go right back into the, the patterns of a, the way we used to live. We don't walk in victory. We let the enemy beat us up all the time. But the, the word says, since you have been raised with Christ, you have been raised with Christ if you've called on him. It's not, it's a done deal. The verb was in the past. You're not waiting for anything new to happen. You just have to receive and walk out what's happened. If anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, He's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old is gone and the new has come. These are facts. These, this is truth. But we don't always walk as if it's true. 
I don't know about you, but I've struggled with these, these passages in, in my own life and in the lives of people that I've ministered to and seen where you know that they're saved. You don't question their, that they've received Christ and made a dedication to Him, but it doesn't seem like the old life is gone, but it's a faith walk. It's gone. It has no power over you anymore unless you give it to it. Amen. See, that's the difference. You have resurrection life, but you also have the ability to give life to your dead man. It's all up to you. What will you do with that old life? You know, he's, he's dead laying on the floor and there's times we just jump back down there and start giving him CPR. Come on back! Let's go to Chad's! The old is gone. The new has come. He wants to give us something new. He wants to give us life. Do we have resurrection life? Are we walking in it? What are our vital signs? One of our vital signs is whether or not our actions are displaying His will rather than my own. If I, have, if I have resurrection life, my actions should begin to display His will over my own. But there's a conscious decision in that process too. I have to make the decision to let His will be done. I have to wake up in the morning and say, God, there's a lot of things that I'd like to do today. And I'll add on a few that my old man wants to do. He's, he's screaming at me from the grave. He'd like to do some things too, but I need to know what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? I know you've got a plan for my day. I'd rather be a part of your plan than my plan. And definitely rather be a part of your plan than his plan. Because his plan is to destroy me. And my plan's just not smart enough. It's just not full of wisdom enough. It's not full of anointing enough. I need God's will. Or are my actions displaying that? How's my resurrection life? I have been made alive. I'm in a new place. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien. I'm seated at the right hand with, with Jesus. And I need to begin to let that. Let's go back to Colossians. You know, my house, I've been talking about my dog a little bit, and I love my little indigo. And uh, she she doesn't bark. She doesn't bark at strangers. She's just, she's a, well, she's not as good a dog as she used to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling her. But she only barks, well, she barks when she's playing. But the other time she barks is when I put her outside. And she knows we're inside. I think she stops barking when we leave. My neighbors haven't told me otherwise. But if we're inside and she's outside, we let her out in the morning. She barks just about every minute until we let her in. I don't have to open the door and make her come in, ever. <laughs> She's not an outside dog. I open the door and let her in. There's a difference, isn't there? Of letting something happen and making it happen. As we're in Christ... 
We don't have to make resurrection life happen. We have to let it happen. And Colossians encourages that a few times in here. It says, let, let. I've been reading this, you know, so many times this week. But it's let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Verse 16, richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ. That means that the word of Christ wants to dwell richly in me. That's a weird thought. That the word wants to dwell in me and I just have to let it. See, it doesn't, it didn't just say, it doesn't say read the word here. It says, let the word dwell in you. Let it become part of your life. You have to read it in order to, to get in there, but then you need to let it dwell, live, become alive, change you from the inside out. Verse 15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The peace of God wants to rule in your hearts. But often we're fighting against it going, well, I'd rather be in turmoil. You know how I know that is because we bring up bad conversations with each other. And we just, we want to talk about the yuck. We want to talk about so-and-so or talk about how bad our day is. And, and, you know, sometimes you can even notice that the conversation changes away from it. And you go, but no, I want to talk about my bad day again. We don't have peace. But peace wants to dwell in us. And all we have to do is let it. Let peace dwell. We don't serve a God of do's and don'ts. We serve a God of let's. Let Him dwell in you. Let your life be in His. Verse 2, Colossians 3. Resurrection life focuses on things above. If you have resurrection life, then we need to be focusing on the things above. Set your mind on things above, verse 2 says, not on the things on the earth. Why? You died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above. That's going to be, that's a necessity and a sign that we are walking in resurrection life where we begin to focus and put our sights on the things above, not on earthly things. There's so much disaster and sadness and turmoil on this earth. We need to put our sights on things above so that the peace of God will rule in our hearts. Amen? The word there, when it says seek, it says seek or set your mind. Or it's seek in verse 1. Seek those things which are above. And then verse 2, set your mind. That is an active, ongoing verb. It's not a one-time thing. It's every day. It's seek. We need to seek the things above. We need to seek God. We need to set our minds on Him all the time. But the verb in verse 1 that says, you were raised with Christ, that's a done deal. We're in Christ. We don't have to be continuing to raise with Him. That part is done. But we need to press in and seek and set our minds on things above. And if you're like me, that's an everyday process. 
It's a choice. Am I going to vex about my financial position? Am I going to worry about my family's health or whatever's going on? Or am I going to set my heart and my mind on the things above? Begin to agree with the Word and the words that, you know, and call all these things as, as we let the Word of Christ dwell in us, as we let the things that we've read and studied come alive in us, as we set our minds on the things above, God's just going to begin to let it come alive. And we're going to say, oh, I just need to pray. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and these things are going to be added unto me. It's, become, it's going to become alive. But if we don't seek God, if we don't sit, set our hearts and our minds on the kingdom of above, we live in a world, in a Christianity, that we get tired because we're trying to do it. And you can't do this. Give up today. Stop trying to do Stop trying to make and let. Let God, let peace, let the word of Christ. We need to seek his kingdom. Seek the things above. Letting him live in us and change us. It says, put your affections, one version says, Put your affections on things above. Where is your heart? You know, the mind is one thing, but my affections, my care, are those put on Christ and in His kingdom. Not just, you know, on Him, because He is also His kingdom. We can't just say, I love you, God, and not be concerned about His kingdom and the things that He has a heart for. And His heart for... His heart is for you. His heart is for the lost. His heart is to see the downhearted brought up in faith and encouraged. So as we set our hearts and minds, part of that is just going to be caring about the things that He cares about. Set your affection. That again, that word is right now. It's imperative. It means do it. And it's continue on doing it. Something else we have to do here in, in Colossians. We're having a resurrection life. And these things should be happening out of our life. Verse 5 says, Therefore, put to death your members. I think the King James says mortify. I love that. Mortify the flesh. You know, but the word also says we just need to reconcile ourselves as dead. It's not something you can do on your own. AA and NA have it close. They say you have to recognize that there's a higher power, that you have no power over your own stuff. They've got it close. They just haven't gone the next step to say the power is Jesus Christ. The power is Jesus Christ. We don't have power over our sin. We don't have power over our addictions. We don't have any power. So we can't mortify them in ourselves. But we can reconcile ourselves as dead. We can count ourselves saying, you know what? I am dead. We're, all we're doing is making the agreement, the statement that says, I died with Christ. He's dead. He wants to live, but I'm not going to give him life any longer. I'm going to let him stay dead. And I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell richly in me. Amen. We can't do it on our own, though. Can't. 
let the flesh remain dead. And the flesh rises up and you can see when it's rising up in your life because it, it, it comes out in things like fornication and uncleanness, inordinate affection or evil desires, covetousness, idolatry. Do you ever see those things flaring up in your life? You've let the old man come to life a little bit. You've got to put him back down. No, you're dead. I'm not going to walk in you anymore. I'm not going to give you power. Let the battery die and stay dead. You know, I like this in the, in the original text in the Greek. The word mortify or put to death is not in the present tense going on and on and on. It's a one-time deal. Make the decision and say, it's dead, and then walk it out. You don't have to keep killing it. It was Christ conquered all once and for all. It's mortified. Do it once, and then let Christ dwell in you richly. The, the result, if we don't do that, if we fail to do this, verse 6 the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. I don't want to be a son of disobedience. I don't need the wrath of God. I got the wrath of the devil. I got the wrath of neighbors at times. I got the wrath of people. I got the wrath of credit card collectors. You know, I got too much wrath coming in on me. I don't need the wrath of God. I want to live for Him in victory. And He'll begin to take care of all of those other things. We also must put away other practices. Put away the practices which characterize our previous spiritual deadness. If you're new life in Christ, those things that you used to find yourself doing should be put to death. It says in which you, in verse 7, because of these things, verse 6, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. We used to do it, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger is not something that those who are walking in resurrection life should have in their life. And you can't say, well, I'm Irish and Irish people have a temper. I'm just, that's just my German side coming out. You used to walk in anger. We don't walk in anger anymore. Oh, it's just because I'm a lion. You think it's anger. It's really not anger. That's anger. Come on, buddy. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. If those things are still, we need to put those things, they've been mortified, they're dead, but we're walking in them still. We need to stop walking in those things. The power is gone. We need to stop giving them life and just begin to set our minds on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. We shouldn't look the same as we used to. We've been made alive in Christ. Verse 9 gives a whole verse, a whole verse to one thing. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. 
You know, we just, we like to lie. I think that's why there's a whole verse. You know, the other one's three or four things in one verse. Do not lie. Because we just like to do that. We like to lie to make excuses. Oh, I didn't come to your party because company came over. We lie all the time. And we need to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. We need to hurt people. But we need to watch the things we say. Officer, I thought I was only doing 55. (laughs) This one again. We need to keep on telling the truth. We need to stop lying to one another. But how do we do that? We can't. We always come back to, I can't, without God. How can I do this? The, the, The how is found a little bit later. It says, put on, put on, don't do that. Verse 12, therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Put on, in order to put these other things off, we have to put on, we have to put on Christ. He's there, you know, and I, I, I don't want to go too far on this, but if, if Shannon and I are going to go out on a nice date and, uh, and, and, I, and she says, oh, put on your black pants, I don't have to go buy them. I already have them. I just need to put them on. Christ did it all for us, but we have to put it on. It's His tender mercies. It's His peace. It's His life. It's His victory. It's His strength. But we have to put it on. It doesn't jump on you. I wish it did. <laughs> you know, you're driving down the street and you wish it would jump on you because, you know, before you know it, you might, you're cussing out the guy who pulls out in front of you. But we need to put on Christ in those moments. Make that choice. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the Word of Christ dwell richly in me. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> you know what's great about the blessings of God, truly? And not just, you know, the, the, the Bible says, you know, when you pray for an enemy, it's like heaping coal on his head. And, you know, I, I have a problem, I guess, getting victory, you know, get, having satisfaction as I pray for my enemy that they're going to be angry. I got getting coal on their head. But here's what's really great. When you truly turn your heart and truly want to bless somebody, See, when God blesses an unbeliever, He doesn't give them stuff. When God blesses an unbeliever, He is only opening up the door for them to be saved. He's not into blessing unbelievers for the sake of making them happy. The only reason that that God would pour out a blessing on an unbeliever is so that that blessing will result in His salvation. And once they're saved they're going to feel awful about the things they did to you. So you can have satisfaction even in praying a blessing that they will deal with God for it and you don't have to worry about it. I can never make anyone feel as bad as the conviction of the Holy Ghost will make them feel of their sin. Why should I try? God bless them. Help them to know you. 
if they're really hurting people, say, God, help them to know that what they're doing is causing pain or grief. And when God gets a hold of them, man, that's going to be good all around. Put on tender mercies. Be caring. Be concerned for others. We can't put off without putting on. We have to put on Christ. Hallelujah. We renew our minds. The Word tells us that we need to be have our minds renewed, washed with the water of the Word. You know, you can't have a spiritual life and continue just to do the things you used to do. Going to the same places, watching the same things, listening to the same music, hanging out with the same people. You know you've got to break some ties. You've got to stop doing some of those things. There'll be things when you really want to have a spiritual life and put your mind on heavenly things. There'll be things that, that you might be able to do later. Maybe they're not evil, but there's going to be a time maybe that God just wants to consecrate you and say, no, I'm going to just have you sequestered over here to, to let my word dwell in you and to, to grow. But we need to walk away from the things that we used to do. We need to renew our minds and, and not listen to the garbage. There's a lot of garbage in music and tons of garbage on the TV. And not, not let those things keep washing and just keep brainwashing us to believe those things. And as we renew our minds and set our hearts on things above, valuable things begin to really take place. And we begin, our affections begin to change. And we actually care about the kingdom of God. It's a process. But one day, you, you just begin to, you, you begin to walk away from the world and stop doing the things and, and just spend that time with Christ and let, let His Word just speak to you and, and praying for people when you don't want to. And I remember, you know, it's just that you don't want to pray for them. You're angry. You don't want to pray for forgiveness, but you do it because you're being obedient. And you say, God, bless them. And I know I'm supposed to pray that prayer and... I don't like them and I'm angry and you begin to pray these things. But after a while, as you renew your mind and you let Christ live in you, you begin to truly pray, God, bless them. Because your heart is attached and in tune with God's and He changes you from the inside out. That will begin to happen if you let it. But you've got to set your mind on the things above. Clothe yourself with Christ. Go to Romans 12, 2 real quick. Romans 12:2 Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God we need to be transformed and no longer conform to the pattern of this world remember we're not of this world we're not of this world i want to share with you one of the things i saw this morning as i was over at the back 18 grade 
looking out, and, and it was amazing the, the amounts of weather that God allowed me to see. I had to drive through the fog. There was a, if you live out in Baldwin Lake, there was a ton of fog on the north end of Baldwin Lake. It was just thick, thick, thick. You couldn't see anything. And then you drive up to the top of 18, and there's lightning happening over there, but there's blue sky above. And the sun was coming up, and the moon was there too. So I had blue skies and lightning and fog and the moon and the sun all at one time. I'm going, God, you're just incredible. It's just amazing. And I, I, was, I just wanted to watch the sunrise and the lightning, and I was just hoping to see some great... I just love to look at the bolts of lightning. Just, wow, the power of God, and it's just majestic. And I looked up in the moon... And I've got to find out why, but the moon was real small and just just a you know a quarter moon, but it was the type that you could see the circle. You know, don't you like to look up at the moon and you can see the whole circle of it, but you only see the reflection on one side. And I just began to get this picture. It says, you know, the moon is not of this world anymore. It's not part of this world, right? The moon is up there. But when the sun is shining on the moon at night, and I, I've, I, I just had these flashes of those nights that I had, uh, that, that the sky was a full of a huge full moon, and how when it's really bright and the moon is, is bright, you can walk out in the, into the forest without any lights. It lights up everything, and that's just the moon. When the, and, and, and I was looking up and saying, you know, oh, what's, what's happening? Well, the earth, the world, is getting in the way of the light of the sun to reflect off of this not of this world being. The world was blocking out part of, its, of the sun's light because the moon's whole job is to just reflect light of the sun and that light gives light to the world. And I don't want my light to get blocked out by the world. Unlike the moon, I have the choice where I orbit. It has no choice, but I do. And I can set myself so that the sun's light reflects off of me because I'm not of this world. And I can bring the light of the sun to this world. And then I began to imagine what would it look like if we had three or four or a hundred full moons? The light would win the darkness. We need to let the light shine on us into the world. I don't reflect much light down here on the world. I need to understand that I'm of another place. And this world needs light. The world needs the light of Jesus. Because I'm a spiritual being and I have resurrection life. The old is gone. New things have come and I need to let the peace of God dwell in me. And let the word of Christ dwell in me. Clothe myself in his mercies. Clothe myself in him. And then I just have to shine and reflect the light of the sun into the world that's perishing.
Let's pray. God, I thank you for the reminder this morning. And that's what it is. That you conquered all. Lord, I thank you for the reminder that the old man is dead. That I have new life. That I'm not of this world. I'm set apart. I'm part of a kingdom that's not of this world. God, I pray that you'd help me to be clothed in you. That the word that I've read, I can let you dwell in me richly. God, in that light, that word will have an effect on not just my life, but on the lives of those around me. God, I pray for the strength to walk away from my old ways. And I pray for everyone in here, God. We thank you, God, for the victory. We pray, God, for strength to no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but, God, to be transformed. Let their minds be renewed this morning. God, no longer walking the way we used to, but walking in newness of life. God, I thank you as we do that, that you'll open our eyes to the lost and the hurting around us, who we can shine the light of Jesus into their life. God, that we'll see family members saved and brought back to you, that they would too would experience life, victory, liberty, joy, and the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would bring us together as we would meet in the cell groups, the lighthouses this week, and we would encourage one another, even as the scriptures say, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would exhort and encourage one another. God, we would carry each other's burdens and help each other to put on Christ. We would help each other to let Christ dwell in us and let the word dwell in us richly. God, we bless your name. We thank you for all your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.